I am a god, you dull creature! We are not doing Get Help. I have been falling for 30 minutes! I assure you, brother, the sun will shine on us again. I'm just a huge fan of the sport. Can't see into the future, I'm not a witch. No? Why'd you dress like one? I am Loki of Asgard. Puny god. What's going on, everyone? Welcome back to a brand new episode of Assembly Required, an MCU retrospective, the show where we reassemble the MCU piece by piece, movie by movie, episode by episode. I am your host, Eduardo, and I apologize to all the Robbie stands out there. We are once again Robulus. He's still out gallivanting all over the uh, Pacific Northwest, you know, just doing whatever he wants to do over there with his family, having, you know, a reunion, whatever he's doing. I don't know. He's probably just watching The Office. Yeah, probably. He's yeah. Honestly, when we specifically he's asked him not to. <laughs> <laughs> we do have the other boys back. We got Peaches. We got Chris. Gentlemen, welcome back. Hey. Good to be here. Yeah. Always time for a podcast. <laughs> surprise, uh, midweek, we now have Loki to start doing it. So you're, uh, these episodes are going to start coming out on a different day than you're probably used to. I'm not going to say what day because I don't actually know when this episode's going to go out. I don't want to make that promise and it be incorrect. We're figuring it out as we go here. Yeah. But you know, it was really convenient when it was show came out on Friday. We record over the weekend. Podcast came out on Monday. Like that was good. Wednesday is a bad day for a show. I agree. It makes it very difficult for us, but we will persevere. Mm-hmm. We'll make it work. We're the God of work. mischief strikes again. Yeah, it's his first trick. Uh, and we're talking all about Loki, the god of mischief. That's not actually part of the title. It's literally just Loki, but it seems kind of short, like WandaVision, Falcon and the Winter Soldier, Loki. It's only four letters. It's barely a word. They they had to save on costs after all the other shows took all the letters. <laughs> they ran out of yeah. money. Yeah, the Falcon and the Winter Soldier used up like half their letter budget. That's a good point. Um, but before we get into all that kind of stuff, this very show right here, Assembly Required, an MCU retrospective, the show where we reassemble the MCU piece by piece, movie by movie, episode by episode, <laughs> is sponsored by listeners just like you over at patreon.com slash assembly required. So if you would like to support the show, go ahead and do so over at patreon.com slash assembly required. And this message will probably go out to patrons first, but we have now widened who gets to be part of community events and any level of patronage doesn't matter if you are agent all the way to avenger as long as you're a patron you're going to be invited to be part of our community events our first one is going to be happening the day after we record this not our first one but our next one will be happening the day after we record this which is going to be june 12th at 1 p.m we're going to do a rewatch of this first episode of loki and then peaches when's our next one going to be the next one is uh hold on I'm going to the notes, baby. Yeah, I could have done that, but instead I put all the pressure on you. It's mm-hmm. it's going to be Monday, June 28th. Um, we don't know the exact time. Um, most of us probably work during the day, um, during the week. But we wanted to because we took a little while to let everybody know about our community event and decide that we wanted everybody to be a part of it. We took a little while. It was kind of last second with the Loki rewatch. So... As a result, we just wanted to say, hey, sorry for the late notice. We're going to have two this month. That second one is going to be a board game night. 
Some of you are going to say, how can we ha- play board games with podcast hosts? That doesn't make any sense, Peaches. You're off your rocker. I am off my rocker, but not for this particular reason. There is a site called Board Game Arena. We are not sponsored by BoardGameArena.com. However, if you make an account there, you can play board games online with your friends, no matter where you're at in the world, as long as you have an internet connection and a PC. I think they also work on mobile, too. So we're going to be playing some board games Monday, June 28th, sometime in the evening. If you want to be a part of that, join the Patreon. You'll make it to the Discord, and we can all have a have a good old time playing board games as a, a Marvel fam. And I would like to point out that though we are not sponsored by Board Game Arena, we are open to being sponsored by Board Game Arena. <laughs> so if you are listening. Yes, please. And also, I, I just resubscribed to Home Chef. So maybe Home Chef will also sponsor us. Yeah, Who one, knows? We'll take home. We're not picky. Home Chef, HelloFresh, Blue Apron. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. If you put food in a box, we want to hear from you. <laughs> <laughs> But today, once again, we're talking all about Loki. And Chris, you read a ton of Loki comics to prepare for this very episode. I went, I went deep into it. Now, actually, a while ago, I, I uh, did read not in, not in preparation for this, just because I was curious. I read a a storyline called Original. Uh, no, not it was Infinity Wars. Was what I read. Original Sin. I was like, oh, that's a that's a different that's a different story. <laughs> original Sin. Original Sin actually leads into one of the comics that I did that's read. Where the Bible leads into the comics. I think that's a cider too. <laughs> Is it a hard that, cider? Yeah, that makes sense. I'm sitting here, a... going like, damn, Adam and Eve all the way into Venom. That's crazy. No, <laughs> <laughs> no, the snake was actually a symbiote the whole time. Whoa. You know, I'm sure that there probably is some kind of interesting explanation for the snake in, <laughs> in the Marvel Comics universe. It was Nagini. It was. Yeah. I mean, it feels like it would probably be Loki. I mean, if we're... That's actually a good point. Yeah. We don't know. He might travel back Mephisto. to then. But anyway, so... So I don't want to get too deep into the into the Infinity Wars comics because Loki is sort of just like a side part of it. But part of that is that he is trying to uh, break through something called the God Core because he's trying to figure out his place in the universe. So Loki has you know been a character since the '60s, so, uh, obviously since Norse mythology, but in uh, in Marvel since the '60s. And there are a lot of Loki stories out there to read. So I kind of narrowed my focus and I read. Uh, two, uh, yeah, I think I, I read two main storylines here. One was called Loki, Agent of Asgard. And first of all, that is a great name. <laughs> and in this story, Odin is gone. Odin is off in a pocket universe uh, with his brother, Kull the Destroyer, who was a serpent. Um, so now the All-Mother, which is a triumvirate of Freya and two other goddesses i don't know i don't remember who they are uh are ruling asgard and loki comes to them loki having just recently been okay loki's got such a complicated story guys you don't even know so loki died loki dies a lot and uh loki died and uh because uh i don't even remember how he died but he was reborn as a kid kid loki uh, but the thing is, when Loki died, so Kid Loki has a fresh start. Still the god of mischief, still the god of lies. Um, but the thing is, the original Loki's spirit survived in a raven named Ikol, I-K-O-L, Loki backwards, as you do. 
And he, through this whole convoluted plan, uh, worked out an idea where he was able to take Kid Loki's place. And nobody knew. So Kid Loki is now the original Loki, who everyone likes because he's been trying to be good. So, you know, he's made amends with Thor. He's made amends with his family and all this other stuff. And all right, maybe Loki's not such a bad guy. He was actually part of the Young Avengers, which we've talked about the Young Avengers a lot on these Disney Plus shows. So I feel like that's worth remembering. Anyway, so... Loki ages himself up a little bit, and that's when he becomes the agent of Asgard. And in Agent of Asgard, he is working with the All-Mother. Every mission that he completes for Asgard, one of his crimes will be erased from history. So, like, beyond a full pardon for these crimes. They don't know that he's the original Loki who's doing this, but he's trying to rewrite his story. A lot happens in the story. It's a really cool thing. It actually ends up tying on... There are, like, a couple major events that happened major comics events that happened while Agents of Asgard is running. Uh, But a big thing about it is him. He doesn't want to be known as the villain anymore. Like he really wants to try, but the question becomes, is it in his nature? Is he always going to be the God of lies? And what I think will end up could inform the way we watch this show is that the villain in the comic is revealed to be Loki, but a Loki from the future, King Loki. And King Loki has been traveling through time and has been just setting all these events into motion that will bring about his this future that he wants to bring. And it turns out King Loki is the agent of Asgard. He's been working with the All-Mother um, because they want this future as well. So they're using Loki. Loki is using Loki. Uh, they end up facing off. Uh, but the uh, thing that Loki realizes uh, because he ends up having a vision of him talking to Odin and Odin says to him, remember what a lie is. And the Loki decides, I'm the God of stories. And I think stories uh, could potentially be an interesting thing thematically for the show as well, given some of the things that were said in this episode. Uh, so, so yeah, I, I really recommend if you have the chance, uh, seek out Loki agent of Asgard and give it a read. It's got a lot of really good, it's really funny. Uh, it's got some fun adventures in it. It's got some time twisty confusion things in it as well. Also introduce a character I would love to see in the MCU at some point. Her name is Verity Willis and no one can lie to her. Um, because of Loki's machinations in the past, it's a long story, but the point is nobody can lie to her. You're introduced to her at a speed dating thing where she just keeps sending guys away because She's seeing right through all of their lies, uh, but it's it's an interesting power uh, for someone to have, and a, and it's a very interesting power when you pair it up with the god of lies himself. Um, so then, the other uh, comic that I read was just called Loki. It was oh, I read two more. I forgot. One was called Vote Loki. Loki runs for president <laughs> of the United States. Yeah, that 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 president. <laughs> yes. Um, <laughs> He, because he says, unlike the other politicians, I will, you'll know when I'm lying to you and you'll like it. Um, it's, uh, this was actually referenced in the trailer. So I'm, I'm interesting to, interested to see if they just take the visual of him standing there with his vote Loki button in a suit and his horns or not. But uh, I, I will see it at some point during the course of the show. Uh, it's was published in 2016 and I bet it was real fun satire in 2016 before the uh, it was it was definitely satirizing one particular candidate. And it was really funny before that candidate won. Um, 
Uh, cringe so, laughing. Yeah, so reading it in 2021, I was like, oh, boy. Um, although Loki's, well, Loki's not as bad. He 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 ends up he ends up dropping out of the race in the end. It's fine. Um, it was only like four or five issues that one. And then the last one I read was was just called Loki, and it unfortunately it was sadly canceled like five issues in. So they had to do a quick ending, which is too bad because it had some really interesting potential. But uh, Loki has died again uh, during the War of the Realms. His father Luffy ate him. Um. But he was reborn, sure, as as he as happens, and he's reborn, and now he is the king of Jotunheim. He's on the throne like he's always wanted to be, and he's so bored, and he does not want to be the king of Jotunheim. Uh, he wants to be an Avenger, <laughs> so he goes to Tony Stark and asks to join the Avengers. He ends up fighting Nightmare. Uh, he creates a big snowman named Frosty, but it's F R O with two dots over it, S T I. Because he's Frusty. Norwegian. Frusty, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and and he is Frusty uh, sitting on the throne in his stead. Um, he ends up going to a place called the House of Ideas, which if you're familiar with Marvel history, that's Marvel Comics' nickname is the House of Ideas. So the House of Ideas is this place that exists outside the universe and he meets the children of eternity now and then. And they promise him a hero's story and... And again, it's getting really metatextually into what is a story, but then a story got canceled. So the last issue just kind of had to wrap things up really quickly. So it's kind of a bummer. I would have liked to have seen more of that one. Uh, that one was written by uh, Daniel Kibblesmith, who uh, was a writer is a writer for The Late Show, I believe, with Stephen Colbert. Oh, and just, yeah, uh, Vote Loki is written by Christopher Hastings, who's a really funny writer. He wrote the webcomic Dr. McNinja, if you remember that one. Um, Nick Ninja? Yeah, he was a ninja who was also a doctor. Who was oh. also Scottish, I guess. Um, sure. And uh, and then... Um, Wait, a ninja who's also a doctor. That is Ninja Brian from Ninja Sex Party. Is literally what oh. he is. <laughs> He's McNinja. Well, there we go. And, and uh, Agent of Asgard is written by Al Ewing, who has written a ton of great comics over the years. So, yeah. So I recommend those. I'm interested to see... If any of the storylines, I, I can see how some of the stories or ideas might be uh, influences on on this show. Let's get it cracking. Today, we're going to be discussing Loki episode one. Is there a title for this episode? We got a title? Glorious Purpose. Glorious ah. Purpose. Do we know who it's written and directed by? Um, it was written by the head writer. Uh, we are a mess without Robbie. Uh, Michael Waldron is the writer. Uh, he's the head writer of this show, and also, uh, fun fact, Kevin Feige liked him so much that he also wrote Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness, and Kevin Feige also picked him to write the Star Wars movie that he's producing. Wow. So written by Michael Waldron and directed by Kate Heron. So our series starts with a recap of the events from the Endgame time heist that resulted in Loki acquiring the Tesseract and disappearing following his capture at the end of the Battle of New York. After the Marvel Studios logo, Loki teleports to the Gobi Desert. He attempts to give his burdened with glorious purpose speech to a local tribe. Robbie wrote the a type four. of tribe that is in there, but I cannot pronounce that. Uh... He, uh, I love that the first thing he does is jump up on a rock to be higher than them. 
uh, a biv- bivouacking tribe, I hope I pronounced that correctly, but is interrupted when a group of armed officers walk through magically appearing doors. They call him a time variant and arrest him for crimes against the sacred timeline. Loki attempts to resist, but the lead officer is able to manipulate time to subdue him and he is cuffed. It's really cool where she like punches him and he <laughs> just like slow motion, like just gets rocked. It's a good funny start too. Yeah. Just yeah. watching his, his mouth like wobble for that long. It's one of those things that just gets funnier the more you watch it. <laughs> I think similar to Thor, l- later on in the MCU, they realized that Loki, while also being a wonderful Shakespearean type character, is also a really funny comedy Shakespearean type character. And I think they're really leaning into that with mm-hmm. this with this series. Like he definitely because like Tom Hiddleston is a Shakespearean trained actor, right? Like he is as classic as you can get, but he's also got these really funny chops. So you can put them in, put him in these really funny situations and kind yeah. of see how he reacts. It's really great. The officers leave behind a bomb. They say will reset the timeline and Loki is taken through one of the doors while one officer is able to effortlessly handle the Tesseract. They walk through the portal into a facility. Robbie wrote that straight, that looks straight out of the 1964 world's fair where the Tesseract is submitted for evidence. Did this, the TVA remind anybody else of another property? Uh... It felt vaguely familiar, but I could not for the life of me figure out why. I mean, it's Imagine like a if super it was all 70s white. aesthetic. Imagine what? Imagine if the rooms and the tables and everything were all white. Um... Because it reminds me of Men in Black. It's got oh. the same architecture as Men in Black. It's got a. It's so funny because yeah. at the time, Men in Black was like, "This is how future tech looks," and now they're like, "This is how retro tech looks." Yeah, <laughs> no, you're right. It has that retro feel. Like right. maybe mm-hmm. soon we'll start seeing aliens walking around, like getting in coffee or something. I don't know. I mean, there there was a scroll in the lobby. Yeah, that's true. And there's this scene later on with Loki where he's just like standing in the room and he's just kind of like awestruck at what he's looking at. And that's similar to you scene you get in men in black where Will Smith is looking at kind of everything that's happening. Also men in black Two, where um, Tommy Lee Jones is sitting in that chair, getting all of his memories back. And he's just kind of like witnessing the universe. Right. Mm-hmm. It's hmm. similar to that. Like this is all that there is. Like that's where I got, that's the kind of feel I got. From I that. mean, and it's like a secret agency who everyone in the buildings wearing like suit and tie. Exactly. And I mean, yeah, it, it does kind of feel like Men in Black, right? Yeah, huh? With that mix of sort of the mundane in there, where there's just like these motivational posters on the wall that are really creepy if you stop and think about them. Yeah, and even like the video, like welcome, like clip yeah. is kind of kind of men in blacky yeah 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 and uh one of my favorite mundane details is that the place where they go and watch his memories is labeled time theater four you know like there are several <laughs> time theaters because they do this all the time <laughs> what else are they doing man uh while loki is controlled with a device that resets his place in time space anytime he moves loki passes through a series of checks destroying his outfit you're welcome world that wanted to see that forcing mm-hmm. him to sign a document of everything he's ever said god that was so funny <laughs> visualizing his aura and taking him into a processing cube for meeting with a judge where it's like i need you to sign everything you ever said what what <laughs> this too <laughs> 
his um his existential crisis when he finds out that there are people who don't realize they're robots. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, I don't think I'm a robot. What happens if I'm wrong? Anytime he he's Tom Hiddleston is so good at like undercutting the pomposity of Loki every once in a while with a wait, hang on, what? <laughs> I really think that robot that lasered his clothes off is cute too. Just because he has a little smiley face. Oh yeah. That <laughs> makes it a little sad sound. Yeah. And it takes him into a processing queue for meeting with a judge. While he waits, a cartoon clock explains why he and the one other person in the room are there. Long ago, Reality was split into multiple competing timelines. A trio of buildings called the Timekeepers cultivated these different timelines into one sacred timeline. We're going to take a stop right here because there's a lot to unpack just with this. First off, this has happened, right? This is the ultimate universe where all of the we we like this was like the it was it Secret Wars? No, it was yes. Secret Wars. Um, all right, so there was uh, the convergence or, or the incursion. This actually happens in Loki: Agent of Asgard as well, uh, where the six one six universe and the Ultimate Universe, right? Their Earths were about to collide, and Doctor Doom saved the universe by rebuilding a new fabric of reality, and he created a place called Battle World that was made up of patches of all the different Marvel universes from across the multiverse. And it's wild and confusing. Oh, yeah. I've got it right here. Excellent. Um, yeah, it's crazy. Uh, he's like God, King, Doom. Mm-hmm. Uh, Reed Richards is there, but both Reed Richards are there. Like the, oh, yeah. The Maker. and The Maker and, uh, and regular 616 Reed Richards. Yeah. Um, but yeah. So the Thors are the police. Right. It, it it reminds me of that. That's what I think of when I, I hear this. It reminds me of this has already happened. And also, really, they say the words. This is not. This is not by mistake. They say the words madness, and then immediately say multiverse. Like and right before it, they said nexus event. And yeah. if we remember our Wandavision commercials, right? Like, and at one point they said of the. Oh God. Oh my. God. <laughs> Goodness gracious. None of this uh, is by coincidence, right? Like, that they're like, oh, a madness will occur in the multiverse. Yeah, they're uh, they're prepping our brains for it a little bit, right. definitely. It makes even more sense uh, when you know that the writers are the same. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that's pretty cool. I'm more, and I don't think that, I'm looking through the notes now, and I don't think anybody put anything specific about this. I'm curious how Marvel's going to go ahead with time travel in this show, because the way that they explain it in this little infomercial, and then as the show goes on, they try to explain it. It's it feels like they could start doing it a completely different way. And that's totally fine. There's allowed to be multiple types of something in a show. Mm -hmm. Like we, I think we can handle that as an audience, I hope, but they took great pains in, in Avengers Endgame to explain how time travel would work. And we kind of concluded that, yeah, like it is time travel, but it's more like reality hopping. Like it's kind of like its own thing. It's not really time travel. And then this whole thing is like, yeah, we show up in places in time when things aren't supposed to happen. And we literally obliterate them with a death stick. Like, (laughs) and I'm curious, I'm curious how, or if 
they must have thought about this, right? Because at some point, if they didn't, it's going to contradict with the logic they sold us on in Endgame, and I think that's going to break some people's brains. I think. Oh, it's it's already broken some brains. Right. Yeah. To be fair, the logic in Endgame should have already broken your brain because the logic in Endgame (laughs) isn't completely solid. No, and it never is. And that's the thing. It's it's time travel. Time travel is probably the hardest thing to do in because there are so many here we go mm-hmm. plot holes that can come up with time travel <laughs> that Wormholes. Uh, uh that that kind of mess with all this stuff right yeah so so here's how i've started thinking of the end game time travel and i think i think this works I don't think it's so much universe hopping as universe creating. And I think it's confusing because they use universe and timeline and to mean sort of the same thing. So imagine there's a river and it's flowing in one direction. And now you, you're you walking back in the opposite direction from where it's flowing. And you get like halfway back. You, uh, and then you take your shovel and you dig out a channel and you work and you work and you dig a whole new river out of that spot. Everything up to that point is still the same. It's still the same river. And going forward is still the same river. Just also now there's this new river off to the side. And mm-hmm. I think what the uh, t- TVA is doing is going back. And this is what I think the Avengers did as well. They, they did the TVA's job for them. Went up and dammed up the, uh, the channels that they had dug earlier so that they didn't go off and mess, mess up the universe. Sure. But I'll, but later, see, this is where I get confused by this, is because later Mobius is talking to Loki and says, this is the way that it's supposed... I'm not going to be able to direct quote it, but in a nutshell, he says, this is the way your life plays out. This is how it's always happened. It happens this way every single time, and it's how it's supposed to be. And that makes it a little more confusing for me, because that makes me think that the Marvel universe is like there's a point a in time and a point B in time. And the TVA is responsible for making sure that the time starts at point a makes it all the way to point B exactly the way it's supposed to doing air quotes. And then immediately loops back to a Hmm. like in a, in a a sheet music, like a repeat, like it goes right back to a and the repeat is infinite. It just keeps doing that over and over and that's kind of how it feels but i don't i don't know because time travel is confusing (laughs) yeah i think there's a lot of it can be talked about chris we talked about this but the jeremy baramy and it's not just because Mm -hmm. pill boys in this episode yeah uh but a lot of i think their take on time is a lot more abstract than because we're we're thinking of it as it is in sort of a line like time flows like horizontally but it's much more of like a swooping back in on itself kind of a type thing um well as a doctor once said people think of time as a linear progression from one place to another when in actuality it's much more like a big wibbly wobbly ball of timey wimey stuff wibbly wobbly timey wimey that is perfect um <laughs> yep. and like i think what chris is saying is correct like i think when there is a variant, that is what creates an alternate dimension. Like when there is a variance, like, so what they, what, the way I read it was there were all these dimensions that were all different timelines where, you know, it's the, the, the what if series where what if 
Peggy Carter was the one that had the ultimate, had Captain America serum. And what if Iron Man was a zombie or, you know, all those different series and Mm -hmm. the time guys, I forgot what they're called. I just, the timekeepers, the timekeepers came and said, no, we got to have it like this. And all of those things that were going on all these different directions kind of wound up and they're all like side by side together going directly forward. And anytime you try to branch off, it kind of goes off into its own little thing, which creates its own little branching pathway, which could create other branching pathways, so on and so forth. I think the thing that's going to be hard for us to grasp is that there are going to be events like the time heist, which they have deemed was okay in the court hearing scene that are going to seem like they're branching pathways, but really according to the TVA in the grand scheme of things, since that's what was supposed to happen, that is part of the line well, right, that does not if you branch. Think about it, mm-hmm. nothing really changed, right? Mm-hmm. The only thing you could argue that changed, which makes is what doesn't make as much sense, is what happens when Thanos leaves, leaves his timeline and shows up there. Right. That's See, the, this is that's the one part that doesn't make too much sense. Now, you could also argue that the time the TVA went and fixed that. So that Thanos never showed up, but then the battle never happened. Or they didn't worry about it because they knew that the Avengers were destined to take care of that incursion. Sure, but wouldn't that that have created another alternate timeline where Thanos wasn't there? To take me to the fair? To change my underwear? Yeah, Thanos wasn't there. (laughs) Sorry. Why do I keep quoting Austin Powers on this? Okay, that's fine. That's fine. It might make... I mean, maybe... And Okay, that actually segues into something maybe mildly worries me about this uh, this story theme. Chris has talked about several times on this show how he gets annoyed when in the comics they just decide, hey, that character that died, they were a scroll. Hey, that character that you liked that w- turned to a bad guy for a while, that guy was a scroll. I I don't know yet how they might do this, but I feel like this opens up a door that they could abuse to say, here's some events that we just decided we didn't, we don't like anymore. We're going to go poke them with the death stick. And while there are opportunities for that to be cool, there's also a lot of opportunities for that to be really lame. Like, ah, we just decided they're a scroll. Ah, we just decided that didn't happen. See, poke. My, what I think is going to happen is by the end of this show, there will be a multiverse, and the point of Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Badness will be to restore the sacred timeline in, in some way. Because I think a multiverse, multidimensional thing can be tough for some viewers, specifically casual viewers of the MCU, to try to keep up with, right? Like, what timeline are we in? What universe are we in? Is this this universe? What happened here? Like, so I think there will be some. Marvel movies are going to start coming with programs like when you go to see a show and it's going to like tell you at this minute, this is what's happening. This is where you're at right now. <laughs> I mean, there are even comics where they'll have to specify this comic takes place before Thor 15, but after Avengers number seven. Right. Yeah. Whenever someone like Loki taking the Tesseract does something unintended by the timekeepers, they create a branching timeline. She visualizes this point with a branching timeline similar to what the Ancient One showed Bruce Banner in Endgame. Also, I don't think uh, a coincidence. 
Mm-hmm. To keep variants in check and fix mistakes, the Timekeepers created the Time Variance Authority, or TVA. Loki's branch has been pruned by the TVA, and he is now viewed as having no place in the timeline and will be appearing before a judge to determine his fate. Now, I love the Men in Black. I think the Men in Black are super cool. I don't trust these TVA guys. Chris? Mm-mm. I, I, I just, you know, you got to have a healthy distrust of authority, especially an authority that looks like a bad 70s DMV and uh, is apparently all powerful and uh, is absolutely sure that they alone know what is best for the universe or the multiverse even. They have just appointed themselves the arbiters of what should be the sacred timeline. Who gave them that power? Who are they? I, I, I just I just don't trust them. Uh, so let's go back to the time heist. If the time heist was... Pre- okay, so philosophically, we could start talking about predestination and all of that, that there is no free will and that... Which we will. Yeah. Uh, so I'll, I'll hold off on that. <laughs> so put that aside. If the Avengers going back in time and time heisting was part of the approved timeline. Surely that includes them going all the way back to the 70s. That only happens if Loki escapes with the Tesseract. So why is the Avengers futzing around with the timeline okay, but Loki escaping, which is a direct result of of them and their time futzery, <laughs> why, why is that not okay? Time futzery. Yeah, that's a technical term. I, I, I guess the simplest explanation is that their plan accounted for the branches and they were like, we're going to go back and fix it. And that's why they said it was okay. But I don't know. What about Steve living out his life with Peggy Carter? And, you know, some people think that they saw Peggy Carter in the background of this episode uh, being arrested. There, when, oh, yeah, um, I saw that. When Loki breaks out of out of the theater. And he goes in the hallway, a door opens up, and an agent comes through with a woman in a blue dress that looks similar to one that Peggy Carter wore. Uh, so Why that, that but... Peggy's fault? Yeah, I don't know. She didn't do anything. You can't blame the white man. Makes sense. <laughs> yeah. Captain America gets a pass, I guess. Mm. Um, <laughs> I guess, you know, you could say that nothing changed in the branch timeline that he created because in that timeline there would be two Captain Americas. Two Captains America, the one that's living with Peggy and then the one that they find in the ice. And then everything else plays out the way it was supposed to. So the the timekeepers are like, yeah, that's fine. What I think is that this is the timekeepers making editorial decisions. Oh, yeah, we want the Avengers to beat Thanos. This is fine. Loki got away. Oh, that's not good. That's not good. Uh, Loki's chaotic. He's unpredictable. We can't control him. Uh, So he's got to be proved. That's bad. Uh, so in conclusion, I don't trust the timekeepers. Uh, what, what do you, what do you make of the timekeepers? I, I agree with what you said. Going back to the stick that vaporizes. I, okay. I, I keep saying kills them, vaporizes them. Technically, I don't know what that stick does, but it looks like that guy who didn't have a ticket and then lied and said that he had a ticket. By the way, that was very that was very Disney world of that person. Anyways, uh-huh. um, <laughs> anyways, <laughs> when they zap him with that stick, it looks like he is deleted from history. Like he is just goodbye. You don't exist anymore. Cause I don't, I wouldn't think they just 
the stick would send him back to wherever they took him away from, right? He was a variant. So mm-hmm. it has to kill them. I don't think that an organization that just hands those death sticks out to their employees like like candy bars is overall a good one. Maybe mm-hmm. they've just made some really questionably bad choices. I, I don't know. I Eduardo, you got something. I can't believe I didn't think about this before. Have you guys seen Umbrella Academy? Yes. Isn't this just the story from Umbrella Academy where this guy works? Five? Is it five? Oh! 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 <laughs> Loki is five! Right? Aren't Isn't it? Isn't it basically the same thing? Like, Chris, so in, ah! in, in Umbrella Academy, one of the people, like, gets lost in time. And he ends up at a, like, a company just like this, where their job is to keep the timeline, like, going how it's supposed to go. So they, like, make sure major events, like, happen and do things like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, which is, now that I think about it, really similar to this. Oh, man. We're... Loki is five. <laughs> the pen is blue. The pen is blue. Holy shit. Wait, that's a crazy comparison. Yeah. I love it. I can't believe it. But yeah, I don't trust the TVA. No, sorry. <laughs> Just yeah, like I don't, I don't trust, trust that organization. It also, mm-hmm. we're ta- we keep talking about time and the way time works. The more they talk about time, the more you're going to start thinking about some of the decisions that were made and some of the like time travel things. Like I think now, I've never thought about this before. But like now that I think about it, isn't it kind of anti Captain America's character to like go back in time and know all of these heinous events are going to happen and then do nothing about it? Yes, it is. Like, yes, he wants to go just have a slice of a life, but Captain America wouldn't just stand by and let people die like when he knows he could do something to help. I would argue, though, that he's savvy enough from this whole time heist thing to know that if you try to go back in time and change things for the better, it will have adverse. It could potentially have adverse effects in ways that you don't. Maybe, anticipate. but I feel like Captain America is the type of person to care more about the person being hurt now than the repercussions of helping that person later. Right? Like he would care more about, like, if he had the trolley problem, he would try to save everyone. Like he wouldn't take the the path of like least resistance. He wouldn't take the the path that would be like least evil. He would try to take a good path even if only evil paths are presented to him. It just, mm. because we're going into this time travel thing, it makes me think about things like that that I've never thought about before, and I don't know why, I don't know, it kind of rehashes some of these things. Yeah. I mean, I I, I totally misheard you, and I thought you were still talking about the timekeepers, though. <laughs> I'll be honest <laughs> with you. Oh. <laughs> it took me a minute to catch back up, because I, I went back to the whole, like, yeah, why are they allowed to play God? Like, why are they allowed to decide to sit out of things while people are dying? and not sit out of things other times. Well, isn't that exactly what Loki wants? We're going to talk about it a little later, but Loki talks about how it's free will that's the problem, and people should not have free will because that's where they're right into the problems. And Owen Wilson's like, but you'll have free will, right? You'll be able to choose. They just won't. Mm-hmm. But isn't that exactly yeah. what's happening with the timekeepers? It is. Yes. And it also raises the question, again, if there's a sacred timeline, does free will exist? Nope. Yeah, that's tough. This is a tough episode. I was blunt. This is gonna. This is gonna be a deep show. Yeah, I, yeah. this is gonna be. A, I'm gonna have a headache after every podcast. Well, like, 
A good headache. It's yeah. already been compared to WandaVision, and we don't need to do that on this show too much. Yeah. But I will say... We aren't allowed. Uh, not, yeah. not until we do our ranking. <laughs> but, uh. I will say this episode's a little different from WandaVision because WandaVision was a little bit more about the mystery, right? We're not going to give you any of the information. You're going to try to piece this together yourself, and then eventually we're going to do a big reveal, and we're going to give you a little bit more, but we're still going to leave a lot on the table. This is like, we're going to answer almost all of your questions, but they're all going to still seem like more questions and not really provide too many answers. They're more answers that you have to think about yourself, right? Like this technically gives you all of the answers to all of the questions you could ask about this in a lot of ways, not every way, obviously. Mm -hmm. No, I feel that. Yeah. WandaVision starts off almost entirely mystery box and becomes philosophical. This one starts off very philosophical with a tinge of mystery box and will probably unfold because like the one big thing, the one glaring thing we don't really know is who the hooded figure is. Is it actually future Loki or, or is it someone masquerading? There are talks about it being a female Loki because they've already come out and said one that this Loki, they've just said now, not just this Loki, but Loki in general is gender fluid. And Mm -hmm. so, what form Loki takes is interesting. It's interesting specifically. Um, people, we can debunk it now, but people were saying that, um, what's his name? Mephisto was in the show because the little girl points to the picture of the the demon and the creator was like, no, like that was supposed to be Loki. Like that's supposed to be imagery of, of the, like, the trickster of the yeah. horns. Like it's supposed to be a imagery of Loki, not of Mephisto. Mephisto's not in the show. Like everybody needs to like, and I think, Chris, you said this in the group chat, but I think it's them trying to temper expectations because of how people kind of went wild with their uh, their WandaVision theories. So they're trying to be like, all right, before you even start, it's not Mephisto. Mm-hmm. And I guarantee you, as episodes go on, there are going to be more things that coincidentally seem like, oh, wait, but it is Mephisto. Yeah, I, I didn't mention that <laughs> Mephisto played a pretty big role in some of those comics I read this week. <laughs> In 1549 France, a group of TVA officers and Owen Wilson is in a suit investigate a group of their officers who were killed while investigating a routine variance with their reset bomb taken. They indicate this is the sixth such attack in the past week. Explain that to me, by the way. How does something happen in 1549 and they go, that's the sixth time this week? (laughs) According to their time, I guess. Yeah, I don't time it. It doesn't... (laughs) Makes sense. <laughs> and if you think it would make it less much, sense, if, can explode. It would make less sense if they came up with their own unique names for how time passes for them. Yeah, man. Yeah, it's like, the time this time <laughs> <laughs> We went to such a similar word. I think that we must yeah. be close to what it actually is. There's, there's, there's <laughs> thirteen from the universe. There's 13 florples in a blarb, and there's 24 blarbs in a fuzzit. Everyone uh, knows that. Yeah. Agent Wilson, actually named Mobius, asks a young witness who did this, and the boy points to a stained glass window depicting the devil. As they hey, speaking of that scene, real quick. Speak while of the we're, devil? While we're here, speak of the devil. I saw, uh, I saw a speculation article that that kid was Loki. If Loki is the bad guy, that kid is Loki... It just transform because he they like to shapeshift, right? Loki likes mm-hmm. to shapeshift just as a boy. Because first of all, um, it would be like really convenient 
that he just happens to be at this scene where all these agents died and he's a harmless little boy but also what little boy would be at the scene of a murder and not be like grossed out or intrigued by what is happening he is just so chill he's just like hey mr <laughs> Owen Wilson. small catholic boy yeah. from the 1500s that too no well okay <laughs> maybe he sees that kind of thing all the time yeah, <laughs> yeah this is the the third attack this florb <laughs> <laughs> As he knows about Florbs. Bring him in. <laughs> As they set a reset bomb, Mobius is given Loki's file. Loki appears before the judge and says the actual criminal is guilty of defying the timeline or the Avengers. Once again, it feels like the good place. The judge says the Avengers are okay because the time heist was meant to happen, per the timekeepers. After pleading guilty, Loki attempts to break free using his powers, but is unable to hilarious uh oh yeah <laughs> i liked everyone just chuckling at him <laughs> yeah the judge explains magic doesn't work at the tva which answered my question because when Pillboy grabs the tesseract i'm like how is he not burning into like flames right now like how is he mm-hmm. still there but it's because magic doesn't work he is sentenced to be reset before it's carried out mobius interrupts saying he needs loki and takes him away mobius takes loki to a theater for questioning he explains he specializes in investigating dangerous variants, though it's clear Loki is not considered dangerous, even though another version of Loki is the dangerous thing that he is looking for. <laughs> this is this is uh, a kid-friendly Loki, and that's <laughs> NC-17 plus Loki out there. Precisely. Oh my. <laughs> Loki- well, I didn't see the other Loki naked in this show, though. <laughs> no, you didn't. <laughs> Loki has shown highlights of his life, including his failure in New York and the time he posed as an airplane thief that was picked up by the Bifrost during the escape, explaining the disappearance of D.B. Cooper. That was fantastic. What? (laughs) I have a small theory about this that doesn't really amount to anything, but I I noticed a small detail that when he first uh, hands her the slip and is like, you might want to read that, and he tells her that he has a bomb, she panic. She looks panicked a little bit, but then when she hands him the bag of money, she looks really into it. Like she looks like, "Hey, I'm happy to be a part of this." And then he jumps out of the plane. I feel like maybe that is a predetermined TVA event, and she is there to guide it. Hmm. Interesting. Nah, I just think she thought he was sexy and. I mean, that's probably that's, that, that, that is my surveillance story. Okay, but hold on. If you think someone is sexy and then they say, I have a bomb, and you are on the plane in which the bomb is also, would you still be like, oh, I might blow up, but he's kind of cute, though? Uh, <laughs> some people maybe would. I don't think you kink shame on this show, Peaches. <laughs> I'm not kink shaming. Decide what people like and what they don't like. I didn't okay? say audience. I said you. Maybe I want to know what Eduardo like being blown up. Maybe I like being blown up. Maybe I don't like this attack that you're pointing at me right now <laughs> about my blowing up fetish. I just want to know how I can help. That's all. <laughs> well, you can start by grabbing a bomb. Yeah, meet me at my house in three hours with a bomb. <laughs> But where am I going to... Oh, here it goes. <laughs> um, oh, gosh. I, I love that it's... Okay, because he lost a bet with Thor. <laughs> like, that. Like what other random things throughout history are because Loki or Thor lost a bet, I wonder. And uh, 
I feel like we should point out to the listeners, just in case the listener is not aware of this, that the D.B. Cooper thing actually happened in real life. That's a that's a true story. Um, like he jumped out of an airplane with money? Yeah, no, it's the only unsolved air piracy case in uh, in commercial aviation history. Like, it's an actual thing. He, uh, he used the alias Dan Cooper, and somehow that got morphed into D.B. Cooper by the press. But he... Uh, he hijacked a, a 727. This happened back in uh, 1971, um, somewhere between Portland and Seattle. Got them to stop at the Seattle-Tacoma airport. He got $200,000. And then, uh, yeah. Oh, he got $200,000 and four parachutes. And then just somewhere over Washington, he jumped out of the plane with the money. And they never found him. And this is a completely unsolved mystery. Huh. Amazing. Well, if you get scooped up by the Bifrost, I guess that's why you'd never get caught. Exactly. Mobius tells Loki he wants to know why he does the things he does, asking him about his motivations. I will... You can ask my wife. At this point in the show, I was like, it's because he's looking for Loki because we're looking for a Loki from an alternate timeline. I promise you I said this right at this moment. I've never been more proud of myself, but I figured it out the, the the twist right then and there. I was like, no wait, they're looking for Loki. That's why why would he want to know about his motivations if he's not trying to hunt Loki? Makes sense. He's trying to get into his mind. Owen Wilson, mind hunter. The agent shows the Asgardian his future had not had he not taken the Tesseract, arguing with his mother, then causing her death by giving the Dark Elves directions to Thor. He asks Loki if he enjoys killing and hurting people, saying he was born to cause pain and suffering so that others, like the Avengers, can become better versions of themselves. I really liked this episode, and I'm really interested to see where the show goes. I thought the really the, the more philosophical takes were interesting, but I thought they did a really good job of the dissection of what it is to be a supervillain. Because they were, he, there's just really, it's really laid out there for you, but Owen Wilson's like Mobius, I, I should call him, I, it's hard. Not to just <laughs> um, but his wow. character is just like, all right, so you become king, then what? And he's like, well, then I'll be, become king of everything. He's like, okay, well, then what? It's like, well, then I, well, I don't, I don't know. It's just, I, I, I will. And then, he, you know, he kind of talks about like what a villain is and, and, and why he does the things that he does and how it doesn't necessarily make the most sense. And like, I find it so interesting to kind of challenge these ideas because I think, one, when we talk about Marvel having a quote-unquote villain problem, a lot of the times it's because of this very thing that Owen Wilson is talking about, this sort of need to be bad for the sake of being bad because you are bad, right? And mm-hmm. Owen Wilson is kind of challenging that. He's kind of saying, well, what's what's your goal here? Like, why are you doing this? You, you can't just be bad for the sake of bad. Like, that's not how that works. You have to have reasons for your actions. And so not just the philosophical part, but I think it's going to be really interesting to see if that other hooded figure is another Loki, these two sides of Loki, right? What a true villain Loki is, and maybe we finally get what a hero Loki looks like. Because we've gotten glimpses of it, right? The, mm-hmm. the, the last real glimpse we got of a hero Loki, he got strangled to death. So we never really got a chance to see it. But what could that look like? What are those? What are these two sides of this person look like? And how do your choices... And the choices that you make influence that. Yeah. You know, the um, he has a line when they're talking about pruning him. And he goes, you ridiculous bureaucrats will not dictate how my story ends. And they say, it was never your story to begin with. 
And I think that this show is going to be him taking control of his story. And Mobius says, you know, what you do is you do these things to help others become the best version of themselves. And I think we will get to see the best version of Loki by the end of this, I think. And the best version of Loki is going to be formidable. I mean, that's uh, imagine his powers used for good. Pure good, not not selfish good sure. when the time is right for him. I do hope you're right there. I hope you're right there because that line hit me in the feels because it was like, I'm glad that he makes other people the best version of themselves. But I also like Loki and I want him to be the best version of himself too. Yeah. Yeah. So, mu- so many of the comics that I read this week, it's Loki grappling with his identity and his place in the universe. And so much of that is based on what others expect of him. He tries to change. There's like this whole meta commentary in agent of agent of Asgard where it's like, he always has to be the bad guy because whenever Loki tries to change people are like, Oh, I miss the old Loki. It's like comic book readers, you know, you were going to say it's like Kanye. I, I do miss the old <laughs> Kanye, <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, but it's, it's, he tries to change people are like, well, I'll bring back the old Loki. So he, he has to go back and be the bad guy again. Uh, whether he wants to or not, because that's what the universe expects from him. So I think this, what we might see over the course of this show is uh, Loki finally getting to say screw you to the universe and forging his place in it. Yeah, I think it's really interesting. I think what they're doing with Loki is really interesting. Uh, you guys are going to talk about it a little bit more on the philosophical side, but I think just in a general, where this, this character is going, I'm really interested. When I talked about... I hate to bring up WandaVision again, but when I talked about the first two episodes of WandaVision, this was a little bit more of what I was searching for, a little bit more philosophical, this type of mystery box is a little bit more my jam versus the mystery box forward nature of the beginning of WandaVision. It doesn't make one better than the other. They're just different. Mm-hmm. They're just different takes on the uh, on the medium. Yeah. I think both shows got off to a really great start in different ways. Like WandaVision was such a great introduction to the concept of this is WandaVision. We're going to do sitcoms. There's a mystery here. Strap in. And this one is they taught us all about this corner of the universe that we never knew about before, while also deepening our understanding of a character that's been around since near the beginning of the MCU. Well, right. Like this feels like it's headed into like, James Bond spy thriller territory. Like that's where I like spy time traveler type thing. That's where I feel like this is headed. Mm -hmm. That's what the trailers made it look like. I remember when they showed like the first lengthy one and it was like Loki doing action sequences. And I was like, what are they going to, what is this show? (laughs) I'm very confused and it makes sense now a little bit more. Agent Mobius is interrupted and Loki escapes by stealing the time looping device. A TVA officer wants to reset Loki when she finds him, but Mobius insists Loki is more helpful alive. Loki threatens a desk worker to give him the Tesseract. The worker agrees, and when he opens the drawer, Loki is stunned to see a collection of Infinity Stones in the same drawer. I love, what's your name? Casey. I will gut you like a fish, Casey. He made it such a personal threat. Cut you like a fish, What's a fish? Yeah. I spent my whole life behind a desk. I just want to know what you're threatening me with before I comply. The TVA employee says they get a ton of them and use them as paperweights. The Infinity <laughs> Stones. Now, Peach, uh, we then get a really interesting scene uh, 
with Loki kind of in that that room, right? He's like in the room uh, where all the other kind of guys pushing desks are, and he's looking at basically a computer screen that has the sacred timeline on it. And it feels like he comes to some sort of realization at that point. Yeah, I I specifically in that scene, I like the way that Tom Hiddleston stares into the drawer, looks at the Infinity Stones, and then kind of just goes blank. Like he's looking around the room like, this is impossible. This place is crazy. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I agree with what you said a few minutes ago about how this show started off really well um, and caught my attention pretty quickly. I I want to believe that it's 100% because it's an interesting show so far. I think there might be a small, small, small percentage that just has a sour taste left in my mouth from Falcon and the Winter Soldier. And like at this point, anything could have been better than that. But I digress. I think the things that make me the most interested from this show are like the philosophical elements, the quandaries that Loki finds himself in while he's mucking around the TVA. And it first starts here because he sees this drawer of Infinity Stones and he realizes that there are greater powers in the universe. And this is when all of the, you know, the rest of the plot of this episode kind of unfolds is him coming to this understanding and, you know, feeling like maybe free will doesn't matter. Maybe nothing that I do matters. And he talks a lot in, in throughout the dialogue before this point, he talks a lot about how, no, everything he did was an accomplishment. He accomplished it because he did it, not because somebody at some point decided that that's how it was going to be. And he is learning that maybe they were right. Maybe everything did happen because it was supposed to. And what this reminds me of, um, by the way, the predetermination, the lack of free will. That, hey, look, we're getting back to it. What this reminds me of is um, there is a philosophical essay that was written by a guy named Albert Camus called The Myth of Sisyphus. He wrote it in the 1940s. Hey, look, we've got some mythology on this episode. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's your Greek mythology fact. <laughs> the theme continues. So if you're not familiar with Sisyphus, first of all, you should go play Hades because you learn about Sisyphus. Um, but in Greek mythology, Sisyphus cheated death twice. He's a, a figure that cheated death. And Zeus did not like that he cheated death. So as punishment, he was forced to push a boulder to the top of a hill. But... Every time he was about to make it to the top of the hill with the boulder, without fail, the boulder would roll back down to the bottom and Sisyphus would have to go back to the bottom of the hill and repeat this action over and over and over again for the rest of eternity. That is that is Sisyphus's story. That's a fun, a fun thing to say, Sisyphus's. Um, the reason that's important is because the author, Camus, is comparing this myth to... In real life, the realization of just the absurdity of the tasks that we do. There's a, a bunch of different sections in this essay, but in this section, he's he compares it to this and says, you know, do our actions in this life have meaning? Are the actions that we take in this life, no matter what we've determined morally, if they're good or bad, whatever they are, are they the same as us pushing a boulder to the top of a hill? And then watching it roll back down, is there any real meaning to it? And if we've decided that there's no meaning to it, what motivates us to keep going? Like what motivates us to persist? Surprisingly, though, 
using this comparison, he comes to the conclusion that weirdly people, including Sisyphus, just find joy in whatever their struggle is. Maybe not necessarily they enjoy struggling, but even though the tasks might, in the greater scheme of things, seem meaningless, they can be enjoyable. And so he concludes that, you know, life is worth living, even though things are, in the greater scheme of thing, things, pointless. That's that's a lot to drop on on the listeners. That was there's a lot of a lot of debate involved there. There's a lot of philosophy. There's a lot of ethics involved. But I think it, that's what makes this show interesting to me. I didn't expect this. I I expected because of that trailer that we mentioned earlier that this was going to be some weird like action Loki show where he is suddenly like like Eduardo said James Bond, and we get this this philosophical side we get sadness we get loki in kind of like a therapy session with mobius like there's sadness and there's um you know there's intelligence in this dialogue and in the themes in this show and i really like that and this kind of goes back to my the point i made earlier about time possibly in this scenario being a point a to a point point b that just repeats back to point A is time like the hill and the TVA is pushing the boulder to the top of the hill and then letting it roll back down. You know, maybe, maybe that's what's going on here. Maybe it's all Sisyphus. It was Sisyphus all along. Anyway, that's what I really like about the show. And there's, there's more stuff like this later in the episode, but this is just one thing I wanted to highlight on because I just find that essay really interesting you want to look it up again it's the myth of sisyphus by albert camus have fun yeah like a uh, grammy award-winning rapper j cole once said there's beauty in the struggle uh <laughs> i mean it's kind of the it's, it's pretty much the same yeah. thing yeah <laughs> what sisyphus, yeah you can what albert camus you can has. listen to that quote or you can read the essay do whatever you have more <laughs> you time for <laughs> 2014 forest hills i don't remember what song it's on uh maybe no role models i think it's on no role models yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, he's talking about rolling the boulder up. Yes, the hill. no roll, roll models. Yes, yes, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, I've never really thought about it, but it's it's very clear that they're trying to pose some questions, like, do your actions truly have meaning? Sort of this, and not necessarily in the because obviously, right now, as we know, we don't have like a time thing predetermining our destinies, but we do have this feeling in a lot of the actions that we have in our life where why should I do this? My actions are meaningless compared to the grand scheme of things. But I think what this show is potentially trying to argue is that no action, however small is without meaning. Uh, you know, that's, that's the beauty of struggle that no matter what you do, your small action has an effect on someone else at some point somewhere. Uh, so what you do with your actions continues to be important, even when you think it has no meaning. One could argue that Loki saved the universe. True. If he, we don't know what would have happened if he wouldn't have made off with that version of the Tesseract. Maybe things would have lined up much differently. Yeah, and by creating the Avengers, they're the ones that came together and stopped Thanos in the end. Mm -hmm. Now, one could also argue that Loki kicked off the destruction of half the universe as well, but he tried to stop Thanos there at the end. Sisyphus antics. Uh... Sisyphus joke. (laughs) Sisyphus though. Oh shit. Oh shit. <laughs> <laughs> Stop.
Stunned by the power of the TVA, Loki returns to the interrogation theater where he emotionally watches the reap the reparation of his relationship with Thor and his future death at the hands of Thanos. Now, Chris, there's a there's a tough scene. First off, oh, man. this scene's already tough in Endgame because just Loki's death is a really gruesome scene already in Endgame. But then also, you have to watch Loki watch his own gruesome death. Yeah, I, I don't want to watch myself die. So I can only imagine how a god who thinks he will never die feels watching it. Hiddleston acts the hell out of this scene, considering that it's literally just him looking at a screen making various sad faces. Well, right, and like I wonder Uh, if they had him. I wonder if they played it for him. They did. did? I actually read that they had like a little MacBook on set or something, and they were showing them the scenes. uh, Like like while he and Owen Wilson were filming, like they had those things like pulled up for them to reference. That's very cool. That's yeah. awesome. Um, also, I, I want to share, I saw this in an interview with Tom Hiddleston where he said that he was leading lectures about Loki for the other cast and crew members um, about like, oh, here's the history of this character and all this stuff. So That's very cool. He, he's an executive producer in the show and you, you can tell that he loves this character, takes his character very seriously, has a lot of fun playing him, but like even at the premiere, he was just like rattling off comic writers who have written Loki over the year and thanking them for everything they've added to the tapestry of Loki. And that's really cool. Yeah, I just think that's a, such a great thing. Whether or not he's, I'm sure he's read at least some of these comics. That, but he mentioned some of the writers of the comics that I that I was talking about earlier. Even he was, uh, you know, shouting them out and thanking them for everything that, you know, that they've all together kind of created you know, this character who continues on and on. But yeah, this, this scene where he's, we have to, this does a lot for character development, first of all, because we have to remember that this is the Loki who is not turned good. Literally like 10 minutes ago, he was destroying New York. That That's, we have to remind ourselves that this is the mindset that this Loki is in. And I do think that Hiddleston also does a great job of like going back to that version of the character. Uh, he says things and like, this sounds like something he would have said in Avengers, which doesn't necessarily sound like something that he would have said in Ragnarok. Uh, there's one line in particular that, and I don't remember it off the top of my head right now. Um, but there, there was one thing he said was like, Oh yeah, that's, that's Avengers Loki right there. Also, I I want to point out when he says trust is for children about, you know, three hours ago, he had heard black widow say love is for children. Uh, so I don't know if that was sticking Ooh. in his head too, um, but he's he's not humbled yet to the point where he thinks that the Avengers must have been traveling through time to stop him. <laughs> he goes, "Oh, no doubt they came back to stop me." And I love that he could tell that they that there were two of them because he could smell two Tony Stark clones. Um, but he has so he hasn't gone through any of this character development that our Loki, which. And by our Loki, I mean the one from the movies. I will refer to him henceforth as Loki Prime. So so he hasn't gone through the development that Loki Prime has. Uh, so watching all of this, it doesn't get him to that point. He is not. He is still not the Loki. He's not like magically, oh, I'm, I'm good Loki now. He is not there. Um, but it does set him on a new path. Uh, uh, either to either to that Loki or to a new different Loki, as, as we kind of talked about earlier. 
uh, and you what I love about it is you can feel the different reasons that he is crying at the various things that he's seeing. Like his mother's death paired with the fact that he, he realizes, oh, I sent those dark elves. I'm the reason she died in the future. And that hurts him. Kind of reminds me of uh, all those scenes, not scenes, but all those videos of Shia LaBeouf watching all of his old movies. <laughs> Oh my gosh, yes. That's exactly what it is. <laughs> oh, but uh you remember we have to remember this Loki, Loki 2, uh where he's left off with uh uh with Thor and Odin is not in a good spot. Uh so the next thing he sees is him sitting next to Odin, Odin saying, "I love you, my sons." Uh, and knowing that after all this even after Frigga dying, Odin still considers Loki his son and loves him. Thor has become the brother that he's, you know, always secretly wanted. Uh, It's he's probably, and I got to think he's probably never, or at the very least, extremely rarely ever heard Odin say, I love you. So that it has to, he has to almost be jealous of himself. I would think to see Odin saying it to a Loki that he is not. But also knowing that that's in Odin somewhere, I think that's the thing that finally breaks him. I I just think this is such an interesting way. It doesn't detract from Loki's death in Infinity War, I don't think, to have this new variant Loki around. uh, Because it's a different Loki. And I'm just so intrigued to see like where he goes from here. Because his brain has to be even more of a jumble than it already was. Yeah. I feel all that stuff too. It's got to be rough, man. I, I I agree with everything you said, including that like this doesn't magically make him the Loki that we left with. But man, it's got to be humbling to to have all these feelings that we've all discussed, that, that Loki feels about himself, how he's going to be the king and he's all powerful. And then... Bit by bit, things start to break down for him. He sees a box of infinity stones that that are just being used as paperweights. Before that, he tried to use magic and it didn't work at all. Um, now he watches all of these things that he could have and then watches himself die. Like That's got to be so humbling and jarring. And it, it, might not, it might not make you do a complete 180, but... I mean, it's got to be something close, right? Like, it's a big shift. It would be a big shift for anybody. Well, it's also got to be tough because the famous Loki line, right? He says it even again here. This is called a glorious purpose because think of how grandiose Loki thinks his own life to be, how, how much of a ballad he is burdened with glorious purpose. Think of all he will do in his life, and he finds that he doesn't actually do that much. He ends up being strangled to death by a Titan much earlier than he anticipated. And he doesn't really get to do all of these things that he dreamed of. Right. And then afterwards he just laughs and he's like, glorious purpose. Like that's the glorious purpose that I'm supposed to be doing here. This can't be right. Mm-hmm. Not only strangled to death by Thanos, but again, not 10, 15 minutes ago, he just lost the battle in which his employer was Thanos. Yeah. Thanos was the one that sent him on this mission and then he watches future him get killed by the guy he was working yep. for. Like, that's rough. That's rough, buddy. 
Yeah. And he still he sees his brother mourning over his body as well, which that that's that's got to be like too much for him, sure. too. Even after everything they had been through. Mm-hmm. Mobius finds Loki sitting on the floor and Loki acknowledges that he realizes he can't go back to his own timeline. He says he admits he doesn't enjoy hurting people, but he has to as part of his illusion to create fear for control. Loki calls himself a villain, but Mobius says he disagrees. Mobius says he needs Loki to help him hunt the variant that has been killing TVA officers. When Loki asks him, Mobius explains, because the variants they're hunting is Loki himself. Dun, dun, dun. In Salina, Oklahoma, in 1958, a group of TVA officers arrived to investigate the presence of an anachronistic device in an oil field. So it's just this artifact that's in an oil field. And the guy walks up, and he scans it, and he says, oh, it's from the early 3000s. And Chris, what famous Marvel character hails from the early 3000s, specifically the 31st century. Oh, we're talking about Kang? Kang the Conqueror. Conqueror. Now, I hadn't said anything about this yet because this has been a really popular thing that's been on the internet. People have talked a lot about Kang the Conqueror. And I think this is more indicative of them potentially bringing Kang into this than people saying, because people think Kang is one of the timekeepers. So if you look at the timekeepers they show in the video, they think the middle one is Kang. Um, And they think that this new Loki is working for Kang, a la Loki working for Thanos at the Battle of New York and things like that, right? Okay. I find this more interesting because the it's interesting that they're specifically saying early 31st century. Um, We know that Kang the Conqueror is coming because he will be in Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania. Mm -hmm. But his casting was announced, was it earlier this year, last year? Yeah, they they announced that he was cast for Ant-Man. Uh, I don't remember exactly when the casting was, but Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania isn't coming out until 2023. It's probably not even going to start filming until end of this year, probably beginning of next year. Probably not not even until beginning of next year, right? Why announce the casting so far early, so far in advance? Why cast someone so far in advance for that role? Mm -hmm. Um, You got to think that they have plans for him earlier. right? Well, you can't not have big plans for Kang, right? Yeah, like, I mean, Kang, Kang is a big deal. Kang is an, uh, and I don't mean this in a bad way, but he's an obvious choice for the next Thanos right. in that he is the obvious choice for a villain who is important enough and powerful enough to be the one that kind of you see through a few movies before the Avengers have to come together to stop him. Have we talked about Kang in depth on the podcast before? Like, should you, Eduardo, do like a brief, hey, listener, here's who Kang is? There's no such thing as a brief, here's who <laughs> Kang is, unfortunately. Okay. No, 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 fair, fair enough, fair enough. I think we have. Yeah, you know, we did. A li- well, no, we talked about who Iron Lad is because we talked about the Young Avengers. Right. Okay, okay. So Iron Lad is a good version of young Kang who saw Kang and was like, I don't want to be evil. I will be good. <laughs> yeah, listeners, you have homework. If you don't remember who Kang the Conqueror is, look him up. Yeah, Kang is a time-traveling supervillain. Descendant of Reed Richards. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, he's like a time-traveling 
uh, guy, and he becomes fascinated with history and Doctor Doom specifically, which is why it. Uh huh. The Fantastic Four movie that's going to be coming. We know that they're making a Fantastic Four movie. We don't. There's no casting on any of that yet, but King the Conqueror, Fantastic Four, a lot of that just kind of goes hand in hand, right? Yeah. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense to have Kang be around for the next five or six years of movies and, and shows. And you start playing with stuff where time travel is involved, too. I mean, like, all the pieces are there. Right. Yeah, if if this ends with the TVA being destroyed in some way, Kang's going to have free reign of whatever he wants to do in the timeline. What if Multiverse of Madness not only... What the events that happen here not only directly uh, affect Multiverse of Madness, but also Spider-Man: No Way Home, and that's where we I get can... any connection to the Sony universe. I can yeah. see that happening because if the multi, you didn't let me. Ask I'm still you. so. What you, you say? I can see what's happening. Oh, <laughs> they don't have a clue. Who? <laughs> <laughs> Oh, we crack ourselves up. <laughs> oh boy. Yeah, I Yeah, I, I definitely think you know, I I'm just so confused as to what the multiverse means. Because it certainly means one thing in the comics, and it is implied, at least, that the Marvel multiverse would include the Marvel Cinematic Universe in one way or another. And all the various movies and cartoons and things, especially when you get into like the Spider-Verse comics, when you specifically have the Spider-Man from the Japanese live action television show showing up as a character and stuff like that. So it's. So I don't think because some people say, oh, the timekeepers made it so that there's not a multiverse. And I think that there is a multiverse. They've just condensed as much of it as they could down into a timeline. I don't know if the timekeepers have dominion over the other universes in the multiverse, but they they can at least keep their little corner of it straight. Yeah, some people have said, I'm not going to point names, <clears throat> my wife, have said that they don't have as many questions <laughs> coming out of this as they did coming out of WandaVision. I have a ton of questions. There is a lot that I want to know. Uh... So we'll see. Assuming it just to be a low-level variant trying to get rich with a time machine, they place a bomb to reset the variants. But before they do, the hooded figure arrives and sets the oil on fire, killing the officers before picking up the bomb. And Robbie is not here, but he would like everyone to know that uh, the oil that that oil was first discovered in the Oklahoma Territory in Salina in 1859, so same place as and one year after this scene. I don't know how much relevance Noise. it's going to have, but it's cool. It's a fun little. Fun yeah, little it explains why a time traveler would want to go right. there. So, where do you guys think this is going next? Like, where is this going? Um, I mean, I have so many questions. Um, the only thing I have that's approaching any speculation about. You know, the plot is that I think this evil Loki, whatever he or she or they might be. Loki? Sounds like a Lote, but a Loki. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Loki's known to be a little corny sometimes. Oh, that joke is pretty cheesy. Uh, But anyway, um, but yeah, I, I think 
this Loki's plans involve not so much going through time and like messing the timeline as it does getting the attention of the TVA and stealing those reset charges. I mean, the last shot is very pointedly Loki or whoever grabbing that reset charge. And they mention in the scene in France that the same thing has happened, that the reset charge is gone. So I think you get enough of those reset charges and you can do some serious damage to the timeline in some way. So, you know, what, what the plan is, whether it's like an agent of Asgard where King Loki's plan from the future is to bring about a future that is more favorable to him or whether it's something completely different that remains to be seen. But you know, that's, that's kind of where I'm operating right now. What a, what about you peach? Uh, <laughs> I don't, I don't know that I have any, I don't know that I know enough yet to make any predictions about what's coming. Um, yeah. I think mostly of all the things I'm curious about um, that don't just have to do with the writing of the show. I'm speaking of those reset charges. I'm curious how those actually work. Like, you know, vaguely we understand that they will reset a timeline. Right. But like, what does that mean? I'm sure eventually we will see one detonating mm-hmm. um, and then we'll know how they do it. But I'm curious what they actually do when they function. Um, otherwise, I just hope that this show continues to have some of this philosophical stuff uh, littered in there with throughout the story. I think it's just really interesting. Um, it's yeah, I've been thinking about the show because of it long after I watched it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's, I think that's always a good thing. If you can get somebody to keep thinking about your show after they watch an episode, I think you have done good work. So that, that that's kind of what I'm hoping for, but I don't know that I have any predictions yet. Do you have anything, Eduardo? Yeah, it, it has already done one thing that Falcon and the Winter Soldier, unfortunately could not. And it has made me want to watch whatever is coming next. Like I am looking forward to next Wednesday and I want next Wednesday to get here because I want to see what's going to happen next. Mm-hmm. I don't think Falcon and the Winter Soldier up until the last couple episodes really did that for me. WandaVision did it every single week. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I'm glad to be a little bit more on that side rather than the, it felt like Falcon and the Winter Soldier was like required viewing, right? Like it felt like we, we do a podcast. We got to watch this. I don't know if I would have kept watching it if I wasn't. I'm glad I did because the ending stuff is some of the best stuff in there. But mm-hmm. I don't know if some of that middle stuff, I would have kept watching it. Um, you might have waited until it all dropped. And right. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. to be fair, that's probably when it's at its best, when it is all out together. That show, more than this, more than WandaVision, needs to be watched all together. Yeah, someday I will revisit it, but I'm no, I don't feel... Uh, probably before the next Captain America movie comes out, yeah. I'll finally sit down and rewatch it. Right. Ratings. What are we going to rate episode one of Loki? I'll start for the first time ever. I'm going to give Loki <laughs> nine pill boys out of 10. I really liked this. <laughs> I really liked this. I really think that this is going to be a really interesting show. And even if it doesn't take off from here, there's just something about putting Tom Hiddleston and Owen Wilson in a room together that I just kind of like, and I'm excited to see more. Peach, what about you? I got, I've got i got two things that I have to say before I get my rating, because I thought we would talk about them, and they totally slipped my mind. I'll just make them real quick, and you guys can agree or add, whatever. First of all, um, it's totally weird but cool seeing Owen Wilson do something serious, or at least more serious, because he's one of those actors that like you think of as 
like a one note and then you see in something serious and you're like oh actually he's really good at that yeah. second thing the music in this show is off the yes. wall dude it is yes. so good yeah. i love the theremin it, oh, it's really i good. i listen every time that it, that title screen comes up i'm gonna be rocking because that that little like ticking clock thing it gets me it's so good okay I gave this episode <laughs> eight and a half desperate plays for control out of 10. I also really liked it. It made me hype for the, for the rest of the series. I think it, it did really good work, especially by comparison, but on its own, it did really good work as well. And I'm really looking forward to next Wednesday. Yeah. Chris, what you got? I uh, gave it 8.5 infinity paperweights out of 10. Uh, also really enjoyed it. Uh, they handled an episode that had to do a lot of heavy lifting of exposition uh, really well. It was a cross between exposition and getting people caught up on the Loki story. <laughs> it, it had a lot of work to do, and it did a really good job. Uh, the Miss Minutes, Mr. DNA video at the beginning and all of that, just it all they, they made the telling fun. And Hiddleston gives just such a great performance. And I'm excited to see more of Owen Wilson as well. I'm just, you know, br- bring the show on. I'm so excited. And I'm, I'm really looking forward to talking about with you guys uh, as we move on as well. A lot of people really want Owen Wilson to say wow at some point in the show. But I want to hear him say ka-chow. Guilty. <laughs> Guilty of both. <laughs> well, see, I want to hear Tom Hiddleston. I want to hear Loki saying wow as owen wilson because he does a very good owen wilson impression there is an impression of him uh but he doesn't say wow yeah i want to see a loki i want to see an owen wilson where loki is shape-shifted into owen wilson pretending to be morbius and he's like making fun of him kind of like how he does with steve rogers at the end of uh at the end of avengers or in endgame Uh that'll be pretty cool yeah they'll have to leave the tva we got to get him out there so he can magic I think that's where we're headed next. I think our next episode is getting him suited up, whatever his suit up is going to be, and getting him out yeah. in the field. Yeah, I'm so excited. I, Hiddleston said in an interview that the uh, every episode feels different. Ooh. Uh, so I'm real excited for to find out what that means, yeah. too. All right. Well, I think that's going to do it for this episode of Assembly Required. If you want to support the show, once again, you can do so over at Assembly Required. Cat. I'm sorry patreon.com slash assembly required. I did a peaches there. Uh, if you, oh, <laughs> I only had one shot, man. Uh, and I missed my chance. One to blow. Opportunity. That opportunity comes once in a lifetime. All right. Uh, <laughs> huge. Thanks to our Avengers level patrons, Brian cap, the first Avenger and Riley. Thank you, gentlemen. Uh, once again, if you want to support us, patreon.com slash assembly required. If you want to send us your thoughts about Loki, you can do so. Assembly required cast at gmail.com is our email. If you would like to tweet at us on Twitter, we are at AssemblyCast. Uh, for all, you can follow all of us individually. GatorSax2010 for Chris, D underscore Peaches for Peaches. Even though he's not here, PhilKid3 for Robbie, and ABCD Eduardo1 for myself. That's going to do it for all of us here for myself, for Chris, for Peaches. We love you 3000. Bye, everybody. Excelsior. Robbie says Hail Hydra. <laughs> bubbly, bubbly. Impressive.
It is I, the timekeeper. I, I observe and celebrate time. How old are you, timekeeper? You... I am 31 years old. <laughs> <laughs> you have such an ancient, aged voice. Oh, yes, and, and I wear this midnight blue cloak yes. with a starfield lining. Yeah, why are you? I mean, you, but you're I just a you guy. I thought you were like in your 50s, maybe. <laughs> yes. I thought you were 85. No, no, I'm 31 years old. I observe time. I celebrate time. Okay. I yeah. work in my brother-in-law's watch repair store. Oh, is there a lot of call for that these days? Oh, I mean, yes, yes. People get their watches repaired. Businessmen yeah. and, and status symbol seekers, they mm. love having a timepiece like, upon their very wrist. But yes, yeah, so when they have their watches in for repair, I call them to let them know what time it is mm. regularly. That's what makes you the <laughs> timekeeper? Well, no, that's just how I pay my bills, but I'm more the timekeeper in a, in a general sense.